0: Oh, so you, you only get little 25 Oh, 25%. Um, oh, get, only a get, push push only get it. A And then down. Write it down write it up, and after the house paid off. come <laughs> on. <laughs> headlines. <I> <laughs> fire, sure, buddy. <laughs> Hey guys, and thank you for finding your way to Morgellon's Discussion, the podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Murphy, and this show is about Morgellon's facts. Uh, that is to say, what has been able to be demonstrated uh, for scientific purposes. So, if you hear me saying something about Morgellon's disease on this show, it's got to be coming from the scientific world. It has been published in a prestigious journal. And the science, the experiments that went into producing that data are repeatable. So if you're looking for factual information about the Morgellons disease condition, welcome to our show. Hi, and welcome back to Morgellons Discussion, the podcast on Anchor FM. I'm your host, Jeremy Murphy, and today... I want to thank the gracious sponsors who are keeping this show alive and on the air. It is your generous contributions each month that is allowing me to get in front of the microphone and go forward with my personal experience about Morgellons disease. Yeah, you know, There was a great article in the U.S. News recently about Lyme disease and mental illness. It basically found that patients who were hospitalized with Lyme disease had a 28% higher likelihood of demonstrating mental health comorbidities and were twice as likely to attempt suicide, as opposed to other people without Lyme disease. Now, the article is quick to point out that people with Lyme disease experience some intense stress in their lives. You know, people going through cancer have relationship problems, a lot of them end in divorce, and that kind of experience can enact an emotional toll on that individual, not being able to afford the treatments, not having community support, feeling alone, feeling helpless, All of these things can happen when chronic illness presents because it basically takes an individual out of life, out of living. And in cases where the patient is being told that the condition is all in their head, this can be especially damaging to their mental health. Now let's look at the facts. The reason there's controversy with Lyme disease in particular is because of the pathogen's ability to persist beyond responsible antibiotic therapies. However, this is also true for other infections there is a super gonorrhea that has emerged in the 21st century which is resistant to antibiotics. Syphilis has also been demonstrated to be able to form biofilm habitats inside the body to morph into other structures such as cell wall deficient and cyst form bacteria. These different morphological expressions are difficult for antibiotics to penetrate and destroy. In general antibiotics are supposed to break down the cell wall of an organism. But if the organism can exist and morph into a form which does not have a cell wall, then it's going to be difficult for that antibiotic to achieve addressing those persisters. But it's not only Lyme disease that can do that. The difference is Lyme disease is very well studied by a broad range of scientists, and that puts it into the limelight, if you will. Some estimates state that syphilis can persist beyond responsible treatment in the neurological state where it has compromised the central nervous system and is inhabiting the brain in up to 50% of patients. What we don't have is a lot of research after penicillin came out to follow up and to find out for certain if the organism was completely eradicated. We also don't know in how many of these cases patients actually had Lyme disease. I've stated on here and several times online that it's very possible when you go back historically and look at cases and outbreaks of syphilis that they're actually talking about cases and outbreaks of Lyme disease. We have evidence that Lyme disease may be sexually transmissible, but it seems the evidence is also very clear that only specific individuals based on genetics and age are going to demonstrate debilitation in light of these infections. Remember deer carry the Lyme disease infection but do not suffer debilitation from it. But I do understand the emotions in being told that your very real physical illness has no biological cause. and We found out recently that that's just not true, that there is a biological cause and that the standard system that people go through will not often elicit those problem infections. Physicians not being trained, particularly psychiatrists, about the association of infections with mental illness, it's a cultural professional problem here in the United States. Like I've said before, in the United States we have psychodermatology, which looks at irregular and abnormal skin manifestations as psychiatric conditions of mental illness. Adversely, in Europe they have dermatovenerologists, which look at strange, irregular and abnormal skin presentations as potential sexually transmitted. Transmitted diseases why don't we have that here in the United States I think it's an issue of culture but more importantly it's an issue of policy but that starts with the physician being aware and so articles like this from the US news make it easier for physicians to not make that mistake of downplaying the potential for an infection congenital transmission is something that Lyme disease patients have fought for recognition for years because their children were being taken away they were seen as treating an illness that didn't actually exist and didn't persist and for that the department of social services would come in and remove their children but in all cases the children have been returned to the parents because the evidence is there this is an issue where we do need real policy change but there do exist different systems different medical systems that patients can engage in to avoid these poor experiences. No, you cannot treat a bacterial infection with psychotropic medications. Psychotropic medications, from what I understand, are always supposed to be a short-term solution, but doctors often prescribe them long-term. You know, patients also are misdiagnosed with autoimmune conditions when they could just as easily be active infections, but a lot of that is the problem with the testing procedures and not necessarily the doctors themselves. If you go to the CDC website, it says that a Lyme diagnosis should be based off clinical evaluation, and that diagnostic tests are not required to make a diagnosis, but may aid the physician in the journey of treating it and eliciting which infection it is. You know, people don't go in and go, hey, I want a tick-borne relapsing fever test, but they should, and there should be a standard and effective test for that which looks directly for the pathogen and not necessarily for the immune response which may be impaired by the infection. There are some estimates that The incidence of Lyme disease is occurring at 1 million people each year in the United States. But the U.S. News article also goes on to explain that the infection itself can directly impact the brain. It can cause damage in there, which can also result in these behavioral concerns. Dr. Robert Bransfield published a great paper about the association with Lyme disease, violence, homicidality, homicide, and aggressiveness. And he's a psychiatrist, he's been seeing patients for years and years, and what he noticed is that in his Lyme disease patients specifically, they exhibited this increased aggressive behavior. Not always does it result in homicide, but in some cases it has. The problem is that the infection, when it gets into the brain, it does cause damage in there, including encephalitis. Swelling of the brain is already recognized as contributing to mental health manifestations, to behavioral changes, and behaviors which could compromise an individual's reputation. Being able to elicit these infections is extremely complicated because, as I've stated, the tests that are standard for these infections look for the body's response to them, the immune response, the antibodies, but these infections are also demonstrated to impair that immune response so that antibodies are not produced, which would result in a false negative on those screens. These tests are also shown to be able to cross-react with each other. A syphilis infection will result in a false positive on a Lyme disease test, the standard enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay. However, the opposite is not true for Lyme disease. Lyme disease will not result in a false positive on a rapid plasma reagent. So yes, there is an increased incidence of Lyme disease and that needs to be taken seriously and we still don't have any systems in place which can accurately determine if a person is experiencing bipolar disorder from syphilis or if it's an acute episode from traumatic life experiences. In both cases, a physician is probably going to prescribe psychotropic medication because that's the policy that's in place to address those particular behavioral manifestations. However, if an individual has syphilis, then those psychotropic medications are not going to resolve their behavioral manifestations, and they're probably going to make them a lot worse. So I encourage everybody to read this article. Definitely go to LymeDisease.org and check out the information they've got. All right, let me know what you think. I appreciate everybody listening to this show and definitely sharing it out with your friends. If you can, please contribute. It's the kind donations from people like yourself, which keeps us coming back and making more episodes. All right, hope you guys have a great weekend, and please enjoy this tune. <music> ¶¶ you.